welcome to the Poison Honey Podcast, where we discuss the bitter truths of life with raw vulnerability, honesty, and a dash of humor. I am your host, Manorak of Grey, artist and writer, author of A Tale of Her, which is the sponsor of this podcast. So if you want to support us, consider getting the book. It is a short story with poetry and artwork all done by me. If poetry is not your thing or you just don't have the funds to get the book, consider supporting us by following us on social media or sharing this podcast. Today's topic on Poison Honey is cancer. Cancer is the leading cause of death globally, and it can be due to several things, right? It, it can be due to habits such as smoking, also bad uh, eating habits, but also it can be due to environmental causes such as pollution. I think uh, because it is the leading cause of death globally, that a lot of us have had at least one or more people in our lives that are either living with cancer, have recovered from it, or has passed away due to this illness. And it's it's very interesting because there's, I guess, not only for this illness, but in general, you get people that are in life set back by, by obstacles that they are faced with and kind of give up in a sense. And I believe that's a big part of the image that we can sometimes have about uh, cancer um, patients. But there's also the other side, uh, the survivors or the people that despite all of the obstacles put in front of them, push forward and find purpose in life. And I have such a guest today. My guest today, Terry Talker, will be telling us about his experience from being diagnosed with a rare form of cancer in 2012, at which point he decided he could succumb to the debilitating distress and misery, or he can learn to embrace it and use it to become a stronger and better human being. Terry has noted four truths that he he goes by and I find them really interesting. So I want to share them with you before we go into the interview. Control your mind or it will control you. Embrace the pain and discomfort we all experience in life and use it to make you stronger and more determined individual. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And at last, as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. Very interesting guest today. Without any further ado, let's get into the interview. Welcome, Terry. Anurak, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Same, same here. I'm really excited to hear your story. So I think we can dig right in there. What is the personal story of vulnerability that you want to share with us? 
Sure. I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the, the condensed version and then you can kind of pick a rabbit hole that you want to go down and we can, <laughs> we can talk about whatever you like. So uh, I was born and raised in Chicago in the United States. Uh, I'm the oldest of three boys. You can't tell this from looking at me or from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall and I played basketball uh, at a military college here in the United States. And when I graduated from college, I moved home to find a job. I'm really going to date myself now, but this was long before the internet was available to help people, people find jobs. And fortunately, I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the, the international hamburger chain. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah, you, so you're familiar? Okay. Unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Professionally, as I said, I started out in marketing at Wendy's, then I became a hospital administrator, and then I made a major pivot in my life and became a police officer, and I worked undercover narcotics, undercover drug work. I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. I started my own school security consulting business. I coached girls high school basketball. In 2019, I, I didn't make a very good decision. I started a motivational speaking business right as the pandemic was kicking off. So <laughs> didn't have a lot of uh, opportunities to speak, but, right. but I morphed that into podcasting, you know, to being a guest on, on folks like you and, and on their podcasts. So that was a way that I could continue to speak. Uh, and then I published my first book in 2020. And then I guess finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military here in the U.S., the Space Force. Interesting. So she's, uh, does she go to uh, space herself? Or? No, she basically works with satellites and that's about all I know because all she does, all the stuff she does is top secrets. So I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> she can't tell me anything or tell my wife anything. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah, hope you're having fun. <laughs> right. Oh, tell me a little bit more about the period of time um, taking care of your parents. It, it was your father and your uh, grandmother, you said, yes. uh, that uh, died of uh, cancer. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about this period in your life? Sure. So, you know, I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree when I graduated from college. And I was actually the first person in my family to graduate from college. And so, you know, here I am, you know, kind of all revved up and ready to go. And my father gets cancer and my grandmother gets cancer. And, you know, I, I, my parents, if if they did nothing else for us and they did so much was to instill in us, instill in my brothers and I, the value of family, of being part of a family, of caring for each other, of loving each other, of supporting each other. So there was no way that I was going to, you know, go off and do my own thing. I was definitely going to help my father and my grandmother. And it was, it was not an easy situation. I, you know, I would get up in the morning and I, the first thing I would do was I would empty my father's urinal from, you know, from overnight. And then I'd shower and eat breakfast and go to work. And then when lunchtime came around, I'd come home and help my mom dress my father, put him in the car, take him to his job, get him into his office. And then I'd go back to my my job. 
And then when five o'clock rolled around, I'd go back to my father's office, get him, put him in the car and take him home. So that was a that was an everyday thing, Monday through Friday. And my father worked up until two weeks before he died. And I guess that's one one thing I learned from watching my dad. My dad had end stage breast cancer, which in the 1980s in a male was very rare. And, and the doctors really didn't know what to do with it. So they basically told him to go home and die. Right. But he lived for three and a half years. And I think the reason he did is because he had a purpose. And that purpose was his job. And so I kind of tucked that in the back of my mind that, you know, if you're in that situation, you know, and we're all going to die someday. And yes. you know, hopefully it's not going to be a prolonged illness, but it was for my father that you have to have a purpose. If you have to have something to do, something to look forward to. And when I got cancer, that's exactly what what I've been doing. And, and it's things like this that kind of keep me going. Right. That's uh, yeah. Because when you said that that you took your father to work, and I thought, wow, he's still going to. I mean, most people in this situation would be like bedridden, you know, or like completely give up after after hearing that news. And it amazes me that he continued working. Uh, what kind of work did your father do? He was in real estate, and that. So it was, you know, it, he he enjoyed meeting all different kinds of people and things like that. So it was just. It was fun for him. And like I say, I, I think you're right. If he would have stayed in bed, and he certainly could have, you know, that he could have chosen to do that. But if he would have stayed in bed, I, I don't think he would have lasted a year. But because he had a purpose, because he was meeting new people, because he was engaged with life, then he was able to continue to go on. And he had a fairly good quality of life up until a few weeks before he died. Right. And so you just, you also mentioned that you yourself now have cancer. Is it something that like runs in your family then? It kind of sounds. I know it sounds like it. Unfortunately or fortunately, no. I had um, all 88 genes that doctors either know of or suspect cause all forms of cancer. I mean, everything from breast cancer to colon cancer and everything in between. I had all those genes checked. I had a genetic test done and I have no predisposition. I have no mutations in any of my genes, which sort of begs the question, why did I get this cancer? And my doctor can't give me an answer. He, he's, I, I don't know why you got it, but <laughs> you certainly have it. You have it, yes. And, and how long have you been uh, living with the, with the cancer? 10 years. 10 years. That's it's quite a while and then like just to for me to imagine what when you're getting this uh, information 10 years ago like uh, sir you have a cancer like did they give you like they gave your father a certain amount of time they they didn't and 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 they really don't do that today i mean you know sometimes uh, along the the journey i've asked my oncologist you know i mean what do you think how long he he won't give me an answer I don't know. And I, I think a lot of that goes back to the story we just talked about in terms of the medicine is one thing, but the yeah. doctor don't know your mind. They don't know your heart. You know, they don't yeah. know your resolve. And so they can't give me a number. I mean, they could say, hey, you know, statistically this and statistically, I'm lucky. I was lucky to have lived five years. So wow. I've doubled that. But again, it's it's having a purpose. It's having something to do. That's fantastic that you that you are doubling just going on, and I'm happy that they stopped this practice of 
I, because I think it gives you extra added anxiety for no reason, because now let's say you had so much planned and they gave you, I don't know, like six months or something, for example, and you're in such a panic. And I think it only makes the process more, go more rapidly um, because you're, you're, your immune system is already affected, I guess, by the cancer. And uh, with stress and all of these things, then it's only making it worse. So I can imagine, and I think it's very good that they change this practice. So what do you do with your um, your practice? Your, I mean, your, your business of uh, coaching? 2019, I decided to be a motivational speaker. And so you know, I was all set to do that. I think I gave one speech and then the pandemic shut everything down. And and so I, I had to find a new way. And and I know there have been a lot of people with this pandemic that have been affected that way, where, you know, they had just started a business or they're working in an office and stuff like that. And now everything's turned upside down. And now, you know what, I've got to figure out, I've got this brick and mortar building. Mm-hmm. Now, what do I do? How, how do I deliver my goods when nobody's coming to that? You know, and, and a lot of people went to the online version and things like that. And, and you just have to act, you have to work smarter. You have to be more tactical, I guess, for lack of a better word, to try to figure out how to, how to do that. And so for me, it was podcasting. And I really kind of kind of got into podcasting sort of just it wasn't something I was consciously, I didn't even know about it. I mean, somebody contacted me and said, Hey, would you be a guest on my show? You know, and I'm like, what, what's a podcast? (laughs) I don't know what that is, you know, and I didn't. And and it was really just kind of getting going. And so I said, sure. Then you and I talked, you know, before we started to record about how terrible I was when I first started, you know, I I didn't, I wasn't comfortable in front of the camera and, and, and doing all that stuff. I had all these notes. I was reading. I was terrible. Right. You know, like everything else in life, the 1.0 version is not nearly as good as the 2.0 version, the 3.0 version. We get better as we practice, as we do more things. We make mistakes, you know, and that's that's part of life, making mistakes. I I always kind of, when I talk about my cancer, I talk about how pain is inevitable in our lives. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain or, or any kind of an illness. It could be flunk a test at school or you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend yeah. or you don't get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering's optional. Suffering's what you do with that pain. Do you use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you. I mean, a lot of people did that. A lot of people were like, you know what? This yeah. pandemic has, ta- has taught me that I need to change things and I need to go a different route. Whereas other people, it, it's, it's paralyzed them. It's, oh, I, I can't do anything. Oh my God, this is horrible. I'm just going to sit on my couch and watch television all day or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's two different ways of attacking the same problem. And so that, that's kind of, I, I just chose to, to grab onto the hand of faith as opposed to the hand of uh, handle of despair and, and, and doubt. So that's kind of how, how, how I've managed it for the last couple of years. So in a way, it does come back to what you were saying earlier about having a purpose. Well, when you're describing the two type of people, the kind of divide that you have people with purpose that found a way to, to go on to do something with their lives and other people, I guess, 
maybe were comfortable in 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 the life that they had before and thought that this will just continue like this and then this happens out of nowhere that no one was like expecting it to happen this way and then you don't know what to do so uh, this is one of the things you teach then like let's say if i came to you for advice like how how would that process be what are the steps that you impose it's hard for me to sort of make a generalization i i like to work with people individually and 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 i i guess the way i look at it is, is i don't really do anything more than sort of guide you to the realization that you probably already know. I I mean, I've always said that everything we need to be successful in life is already inside us. We just need to find it, pull it out, and use it for our benefit. But so many people want want other people. And I've seen this in my cancer journey, you know, where people just turn their lives over to a doctor and say, hey, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. And and I've never been like that. I mean, I want my life to be based on the decisions that I made, not the decisions that I didn't make or the ones that somebody else made for me. So I like to sort of help people come to their own realization. I don't want to give it to them. We all know what we're supposed to do, and we just maybe don't know how to get there. And and that, and I, I always talk about you know, especially with young people, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things you're going to regret are not going to be the things that you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. And and I think one of the problems people have is they're worried about what other people are going to say. You know, oh, I don't know if I want to do this because hmm, that person may not look at me as favorably or I may fail or somebody may laugh at me. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Who cares? I, I I mean, I always look at those people as like, wait a minute, you're laughing at me because yeah. I'm doing something. You're not doing anything. Right. You, know, you can laugh all you want. I, I mean, I can care less what you think about me. I'm doing something. And it, by doing something, you're going to you're going to get to where you need to go eventually. But you know, people don't want to fail. But failure is a part, and it's a huge part of success. You're, nobody's successful. They just go out there and they're successful. They fail, and they fail often, right. and then they get there. And, and that's when people don't want to fail. It's like, well, sorry, that's the work you need to put in so that you can get to success on the other side. Right. I, I can't like, tell you how many times I, I personally failed to get this podcast going um, because it, it had a different format before um, with my friend and we were going to do, I don't, are you familiar with the Red Table Talk? I, I don't think so. It's a, a kind of a podcast idea also, but it's different. It's like a, more like a talk show with uh, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, the wife of Will Smith. Oh yeah, Will Smith, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was our initial idea and mm-hmm. It's just, we could just got hit and hit and hit. And eventually I said, well, I'm going to start doing it because I had everything already set up. We had made the logo, the, the social medias and everything. And I was just waiting uh, for us to start. So I guess I'm one of those people who are like less fearful to start and, and 
um, just kind of go ahead with things. But do you have any tips for someone who, let's say, has a bit more issues with, with fear of starting or fear of failing, as you are saying? Uh, do you have any tips for them? Yeah, fear, fear is a great motivator. You know, and, and I've, I, I'm, I'm much older than you are, and I've been in business for a long time and done different things. And I've seen people that they, they basically study things to death. You know, they're, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. Well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. And then when they do all that, well, then I've got to do this, and then I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. And then when that's all done, then they've got to do this and this. Yeah. <laughs> and they never pull the trigger. You know, they, they're never able to pull the trigger and execute. And it's like, okay, I've done this, I've done all this stuff, and then I've done all this stuff, and then I've done all this stuff. Now I've just got to do it. I've got to, you know, go on the air, find some guests, put it out there, and 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 tweak it as you go along. It's like, I didn't like that. That's not good. Okay, I've got to change that. And then it gets better, and then it gets better. But there are so many people, so many people out there that can never pull that trigger, you know, that they just keep studying it or or tweaking it or trying to refine it and making it the best you can. At some point in time, you actually have to execute. And so I, I guess I would say, if you have even a small amount of grit, and we all have grit, I mean, it's not something that you have to go find, you have it, you have the ability to pick yourself up and continue to move forward. So if you have an, even a small amount of grit, you're going to be so much further along than the vast majority of people that never even get off the couch, that never even start what they're thinking about. I mean, you and your friend, you had an idea and right. you developed a logo and you got the equipment and you know you developed the social media. You did all these things, but you also executed. There came a point where you were like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Today is day one. I'm going to do this. So many people don't. So just remember, if you just have a little bit of grit, just a little bit, if you have a huge amount, you're going to be incredibly successful. Yes. If you have just a little amount of grit, you can do anything you set your mind to do. We can move forward. And so what are the types of clients that you get? Any particular age groups or? Mostly younger people. Um, I, when, I, I, when I talked about writing my book in 2020, it's, it's a book that's predominantly aimed at younger people. I I actually had an, an 87-year-old man who wow. bought the book and, and read it and then contacted me. And he said, you know, if I would have had these principles when I was younger, I would have had a much better life. And I was, I mean, I was so glad that he said that because, you know, it's like anything else. You starting a podcast, me being a guest when I first started on podcasts, you're like, I don't know, am I doing this right? You know, <laughs> yes. I make a mistake. What's going You know, you don't know what you don't know. And so you don't know if you're doing a good job. And I'm like, okay, I wrote a book, but is it any good? Is it going to help anybody? But when you get reinforcement, when people will say, hey, I'd like to be a guest on your show, or hey, I read your book. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I'm on the right path. I'm doing something. What is the name of your book? The book is called Sustainable Excellence, The 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Really interesting. And I I was wondering, because we talked now about your vulnerabilities or struggles that you had in life so far. And then you became then this motivational speaker. Um, how has this experience shaped you and it perhaps changed the way you see yourself? 
I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with my father. I, I mean, this gives me a purpose. I, I mean, my cancer journey has seen my left foot be amputated. Uh, in 2020, my left leg was amputated. I've got tumors in my lungs now that I'm being treated for. And I think one thing that I guess I would like to to tell your audience is that, you know, when I started playing basketball, I was nine years old and I played all the way up until I graduated from college when I was 21. And one of the things that I learned from team sports is the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. And, you know, you realize that if you're a member of a team, not only if you don't do your job, do you let yourself down? But you let your teammates down and your coaches down and your fans down and things like that. Right. And if you think about it, and, and I didn't really realize this until I developed cancer, the biggest team game that we all play is this game of life. And, you know, I am on a clinical trial drug now for the tumors in my lungs that more than likely is not going to save my life. But what it might do is it might save somebody's life five years from now or 10 years from now, based on all the data that the doctors are, are getting from my blood work and my scans and things like that. And if that's the case, then that leaves a legacy with people that, that I won't even know, that I'll, that I'll never meet, that I'll be dead long before they're ever helped by what I did here in 2022. So I think that's one of the big things that I learned during this cancer journey is that you, you are and you need to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. I always say we're, we're unique, but we're not special. I mean, everybody thinks they're yeah, special. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they owe you owe me something. You, you, life doesn't owe you a thing. I got news for you, but you are unique. I mean, your gifts, my gifts, they're not the same. You know, you have special and unique gifts. I have special and unique gifts that I need to use to find my purpose and live that purpose. So. I guess that's one of the big things I, I learned is to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. Yeah, it, 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 as you said, essentially, I thought maybe letting go of the ego in, in some sense, because um, we're so self-involved. I mean, I, I myself has, have that issue sometimes, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in a sense, maybe it's also the culture that we are living in currently. But yeah, I do agree that once you start using your talents and letting go of uh, the ego a little bit and working together that you come much yeah, further. I'm thinking in Dutch for some reason today, <laughs> but you get much further uh, ahead um, working together than uh, trying to do everything by yourself. And perhaps this is also something that can help with the fear aspect of if you're able to find, let's say, a tribe or a, um, a group of people that want to go in the direction that you want to go in, that this helps you to lessen the fear, lessen the anxiety, and just start. But yeah, that some groups are also perhaps in a way peer pressuring. Maybe this can cause people more uh, fear as well and anxiety. Do you have... Um, any tips on dealing with like peer pressure? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've always said that, you know, if, if I didn't know you, but if I knew the five people that you hung around with the most, I could probably tell you a lot about the type of person that you are. 
And I, I think that's an important thing. If you aren't hanging around people that are caring and motivating and uplifting you, get those people out of your life. You don't need those people in your life. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care you know, how connected they are. I don't care how rich they are. It doesn't matter. If they're not, if they don't have your best interest in mind, they're really not your friend. They're just kind of an acquaintance. And I'll tell you, when you get cancer, you really find out who your friends are. You know, you really find out the people who are around you. So I guess I would say, you know, get, get those negative people out of your life and surround yourself with people that love you, that care about you, that want, that want what's best for you. And the, the, the problem with that is if you and I are, are good friends and, and you, you say to me, oh, you know, Terry, you're kind of messing up here. What do I do? I'm like, oh, you know, you're not my friend anymore. No, I'm telling you right now, that person is your friend and they are a true friend because they're willing to tell you the truth. They're willing to be honest with you at the expense of potentially you losing the friendship, losing the relationship they have with you because they love you enough and they care about you enough that they want you to be successful. So if you don't have those people around you or if you have people that are negative or toxic or that are putting pressure on you to do things that you don't want to do or you don't think you should do, then get those people out of your life. And again, it go, you know, I understand, especially when you're you're young, you want to be around people because you know they're cool or they're they're the in people or they're you know yeah. And, and if those people don't care about you, why would you want to hang around those people? Get them out of your life and get people surround yourself with people who care about you and people who are willing to tell you the truth, even at the expense of the friendship or the relationship that you have. Right. And what, what if one can't handle the truth, so to space? It's not good as well. No, that's good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... I guess there's different layers to it. Though. They should tell you the truth because I'm, I'm saying it because um, I've had fears in, in my time, uh, in, in my lifetime where um, people told me something and I couldn't, it's at that moment, that's not what I wanted to hear. Sometimes, you know, I just want to be heard or something. Um, but yeah, so what do we do if we can't handle the truth? How do you even recognize <laughs> in that moment that you're not like handling the truth well. You have to follow your heart. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you know what you're supposed to do. You know what direction you want to go. And a lot of times we get peer pressure. I know I did with my father. You know, my, my grandfather was in law enforcement. And when I expressed an interest of going down that road, yeah, my dad was like, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to go to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get out. You're going to get a great job. Get married, have two point four kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my dad had my whole life planned out, <laughs> but it was the life that my dad wanted me to live. It wasn't the life that I felt I was supposed to live, and that's a hard thing to deal with. We talked about peer pressure a minute ago. What about family pressure? Oh, what yeah, about, this is big. Yeah. <laughs> what about a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or grandmother, or grandfather, or even a brother or sister that are like, you know, hey, you oh, need to do this. I've had all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what, exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah. I think that's harder than even peer pressure because these, this is family. I mean, peers are your peers, your families. Your, I mean, you, they're always going to be your family. You, you really can't get rid of them even if you want to. Exactly. And that, so it's hard. And, 
And like I said, I had a choice when I graduated from college. I could say, hey, dad, you know what? I'm going to blaze my own trail and do my own thing. Or out of love and respect for you, I will do what you want me to do. So if you look at my resume, my first two jobs were in business, even though I felt my passion was law enforcement. And I sort of joke, I did what every good son did. I waited until my father passed away and Uh, (laughs) then I followed my dreams. So. I'm a bit of a rebel in that sense. Like I try to do what they want me to do. And in some ways I did, like I studied tourism because my older sister was like, well, why do you want to be an artist? Like, <laughs> you don't make money with that. Go into tourism because I, I grew up on a, an island in the Caribbean. So obviously tourism is like the big thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I studied that. And afterwards I studied international development management, which it was slightly more of my interest, but it was still not exactly what I wanted to do. And now at the end, I still became like an artist slash podcaster and everything because that's really what I wanted to do. So yeah, I think it is a beautiful message to follow your dreams and your heart. I think do listen to the good people around you. You need to be able to identify who the good people are and what their intentions are. And I think that even if they tell you something and your heart still says, well, I really want to do this thing, that you need to have some kind of level of respect, mutual respect that you can say, well, thank you very much for your opinion or or suggestion but i really feel xyz and i will follow that and i think if then you feel then at least you feel doing something that you wanted to do at least you try to do that thing i mean to say as you were saying that uh, we end up regretting the things that we don't do at the end of the day so yeah, that's, yeah. that's life's too short not to be happy. Not yeah. to do the things that, that you want to do, and and you know people always you, you you've got to you got to make money. And and every study, every survey that I've ever read yeah. from a human resources point of view says that money is like eighth or ninth on the list of importance. I, I mean, certainly we need it. We've got to pay the bills and things like that. But at the end of your life, all these people want to be powerful or prestigious or rich. At yeah. the end of your life, you can't take any of that with you. What you can take with you is the love that you have in your heart. So yeah. whatever it, you use that love to express, as you said, I want to be an artist. That's important to me. That's what I feel my calling is. Then you should do that. And money and all that stuff will take care of itself and you'll be a whole lot happier. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do go through periods of stress that I'm like, oh, it, it, I mean, everybody has that, right? This yeah. money is so, even though... I think in life, at the end of the day, it's not the most important thing. I think how our systems are set up now and our, our culture uh, is set up that it is or has become this very central thing. And I think for that reason, we stress about it. But if we really take a step back and think that it's not the most important thing, indeed. And yeah, I really we see all my drawings here. <laughs> Do really want to be an artist? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, see, is there anything else that we want to share with the audience today? 
I guess I'll, I'll leave you with maybe a call to action, something that might help you alleviate some of that stress. And, 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 and I try to do this from time to time. I don't do it all the time, but every now and then I'll like, okay, for the next 30 days, I'm going to imagine that everybody I come in contact with is going to be dead tomorrow. So the person who cuts you off in traffic on the way to work or the person at work who takes credit for, your, for the work that you did or even your, your child who's driving you crazy, imagine that they're going to be dead tomorrow. Because if you do that, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to be a whole lot happier and you're going to have a whole lot less stress in your life. So I, I think it's, you know, we, we get mad at people and then we realize we're all connected. We're all together. We're all in this, you know, I, I, I have a very deep faith in God. And I, you go back to the Bible and it's like, God made man. And then God realized it's not good for man to be alone. So right. put man to sleep and I made woman. And, and that's not so much about man and woman as it is our interdependence on each other, that we need to care about each other. We need to take care of each other and stuff like that. And sometimes people make that very hard for us to do, as I'm sure you know. You know, yes. people drive you crazy. And, <laughs> and that, but if you imagine that they'll be dead tomorrow, it kind of changes the parameters. It kind of changes the focus of what you're, I, I can't stand that person. Well, what if that person was going to die tomorrow? How would you feel differently about that person? So maybe I, get, I would leave that with your audience. For the next 30 days, everybody you come in contact with, imagine they'll be dead tomorrow and see how that changes your perception of stress and how much happier you can be in your life. Right. So just to be sure, we're not wishing they're dead tomorrow. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> If I just imagining what if they weren't there tomorrow? <laughs> exactly. What if they weren't in your life tomorrow? Exactly. Yeah. I, I have a bit of dark sense of humor sometimes. Oh, I like it. No. I, I have to set that boundary just in case someone misunderstands what we're saying. I totally get it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, and uh, let's say someone listening right now that is completely like in love with your story and your teaching method and the guidance. Um, how can they reach you and get this uh, book or information about your work? So the, the book itself is available pretty much anywhere you can get a book online. You know, you can get it through Amazon. You can get it through Apple iBooks. You can get it through Barnes & Noble. I don't know if Barnes & Noble bookstores are, are, are where you are, but you can get it anywhere uh, you can get a book online. In terms of reaching me, I again, I think that another great example, uh, you know, when I started my blog, people were like, you should start a blog. I'm like, I'm old. I can barely turn my cell phone on in the morning. What do you mean start a blog? I, I don't know what that is. You know? yes. and, and so I was like, uh, okay. And so I decided I was going to do it. And I literally, it was four pages. It took me four months to do it. And, and that's no lie. I had no idea what I was doing. So I started and then I had a, oh, I don't know what that means. And I had to go research it right. and then come back and, and make a little bit, a little bit forward and a little bit forward and a little bit forward. And it took me four months. My 25-year-old daughter probably could have done it in 15 minutes, but it took me four months. So I have this blog called Motivational Check, and it's motivationalcheck.com. Every day I put up a thought for the day, and with that thought comes a question to see how maybe you could use that thought in your life or how it might apply to your life. On Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which a lot of times is a video or a story that's a little bit longer, but I realize people's time is at a premium. So, uh, you know, if you need a quick hit of inspiration or motivation, 
Go to motivationalcheck.com. You can leave me a message there. You can actually get access to my book there as well, along with my social media sites. Definitely, they should be checking that out. And uh, as we said before, you can find uh, Terry on his blog. I will share all of the links um, when the episode is airing. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, sharing your story uh, with us. And I, I feel very inspired to pursue my my calling, uh, so to say, after this conversation. So until next time in the Poison Honey podcast. 